Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast episode number 30. It's it's a very unique thing, and especially like when you go back to the quote-unquote traditional style, you have to keep in mind that none of those are really original either. No, they're not. They're original in terms collective memory goes back that far <laughs> that's perfect um, collective memory but, but there's something that happened before that we just don't know what it was Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Charles with the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast coming at you with another episode. And today we have coming back into the mix, Miss Laura Riva out of Toronto with, I think the blog is called The Dance Place Now, a.k.a. The Dancing Grapevine, where she writes super awesome, well-written, well-thought-out blogs. Um, I don't know how many blogs of hers that I shared, but it's almost like I don't even have to read the blog. Sometimes I read them. But if you put something out, like I will share it almost blindly just because I know it's going to be like decent content in there, you know. Thank you. And I'm pretty sure I made you blush in the last podcast because I said that you needed to write the book. So we'll go ahead and get that out of the way. Um, If you want Laura to write a book, let me know. Um, You guys can go to neilkizoma.com slash testify, read the blogs. Um, I think she needs just some encouragement in that area to write a book when her schedule um, definitely permits for it. But I think that'll be an awesome gift 
to the dancing if you were to find the time and the motivation and the encouragement and like the technical prowess of how to for the dancing across multiple scenes, not just Zook. Thank you, Cheryl. <laughs> okay, so on to today's topic. Um, today's topic was inspired by a blog that Laura originally wrote um, that was titled Insert the Real Dance Here. And the dance was kind of in quotation marks because it was across multiple dances. And I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this, whether you dance tango, bachata, salsa, zouk, tango, uh, West Coast Swing, like you've kind of had or heard of some kind of feud in some degree of the more older dancers um, into the more neo or modern dancers and like the legitimacy of certain newer styles versus the older styles, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and Laura wrote a really awesome blog here that I wanted to just kind of bring onto my platform with her here, of course, just to kind of help spread the idea that she kind of put forth in the blog to kind of talk about both sides. Um, was there anything in particular that sparked that particular blog post, Laura? Uh, I think it was kind of ruminating a little bit for a while. Um, there's like obviously on Facebook, any social media you get a lot of discussion around similar points. So it seemed like a timely article at the time. I think I wrote it like well over a year ago at this point. So Yes, it's, I mean, I still refer to it quite frequently anytime that topic comes up. And the main thing that really stood out to me or the main word was cross compatibility throughout the styles. Um, but uh, we'll go ahead and get into the topic here, starting with just different dances and the newer styles and the more traditional styles. Even the way we, we label something, I know some people have an issue with the word traditional and whether even if the quote unquote original dance needs to have a prefix before the name of the dance, like if it's original, then it shouldn't need a prefix. And in my opinion, and I'm pretty sure you've heard this argument as well, Laura, like no dance is, is pure. It's always like a combination of something like there's been cultural fusion that's been going on for centuries on top of centuries on top of centuries. So no, no dance is like 100% pure or belongs only to one nation or one culture. Like we all kind of influence each other in so many ways and kind of even taking it outside of the context of dance. I know there've been a lot of videos recently where people have been kind of doing their DNA and getting like a DNA test to see like what nationalities are in their DNA. And we're so mixed with a lot of different things, you know, even though like one predominant skin tone or language or something comes out, like we have a lot of like underlying stuff hidden in our DNA that we don't necessarily realize. But I feel like the more people who actually realized how similar we are, then we are different, then it kind of makes the world a better place. Absolutely. And like, I have a weird relationship with the word traditional anyway, especially like in the context of dance, because I don't know if you know this, but in Zouk, traditional Zouk is not the original style mm -hmm. of Zouk. So it's, it's a complicated word. It doesn't always mean very bluntly the original either. Yeah, definitely. So. And I guess at this point, I should just kind of put it out there. If, you're, if this is your first podcast hearing Laura and I 
uh, speak. I am a Kizoma instructor. I do this professionally full time for about two years now. And Laura is a Zook instructor out of Toronto. And she's very knowledgeable across uh, multiple dances. But that's kind of like where we're coming at. We're going to kind of share our perspectives from other dances to the best of our knowledge. Feel free to like share any insights or anything like that to add to the conversation. So we definitely want to come off don't want to come off as like this is it it's kind of like opening the discussion and kind of having just a healthy conversation about the the topic you know yeah i don't i i think just to add on to that i don't think it's actually possible with something like this that is so subjective mm-hmm. uh, to come to a conclusion because for example my idea of cross compatibility may be very different than your idea of cross compatibility mm-hmm. And things like that. So, yeah, the, the podcast is definitely here to promote healthy discussion and different sides. So, like, we definitely like in the comments of the podcast, feel free to share if you agree, if you disagree, or we can do so in a respectful and in a healthy way. But I think it's important to have the conversation for sure, you know? All right. So, I myself, from my perspective, I definitely teach the more quote unquote modern version of Kizomba. I definitely respect the roots of Kizomba and it's definitely apparent when you see somebody who dances neo or urban Kizomba who doesn't have a, a foundation in the more traditional things like you can tell it lacks in their dancing, you know? Um but if I were to be completely honest with myself and say which type of music sets my heart on fire to where I want to listen to this and it gives me like ants in my pants that I want to dance like right now like it's definitely going to be like the English remixes of like Beyonce and Usher and like instrumentals definitely the more modern sounding and I don't want to say just because I prefer that means I dislike or I hate traditional like I definitely respect both if you put on traditional I'll dance traditional for sure but if you ask me like what takes me to that higher level of euphoria it is not the more traditional sounds just because it doesn't resonate with me just because of my upbringing, you know? Yeah, for sure. I totally get that. And yeah, go um, ahead. I think for me too, like just from my perspective on like the whole music thing is too, I definitely identify as more on the modern side of virtually everything <laughs> I dance. So obviously Zook, um, which similarly has a very traditional sound versus a very new sound. Um, I prefer contemporary style West Coast swing to the traditional bluesy mm-hmm. stuff. And even in salsa, I remember back in my salsa days, I used to get made fun of mercilessly for uh, preferring Mark Antony and salsa romantica uh, and even bachata romantica to the more traditional like Cuban sounds. Definitely. So, so. it's really interesting. And I, I like how you outlined in the blog how like it. I almost like envision a spectrum in my head. Um, you kind of have like extreme traditional to where like they're so far traditional. They don't want to acknowledge or accept anything that's new. And then you have an extreme neo person or modern person, you know, who doesn't want anything to do with traditional. And they say it's too old and kind of have these preconceived notions on both sides of the spectrum. And I like how you kind of outlined the blog that there should be an appreciation for both. And I guess go with what resonates with you, you know? Yeah. Sure, go ahead. And the reason why, like, multiple sounds can't resonate with you either. Like, there's, depending, for example, for me on my partner, even it's a huge difference to what 
what kind I want to dance. There's people with their interpretation of acoustic songs is fantastic. And so it makes me want to dance mm-hmm. to acoustic. And there's other people where if you give me a really traditional song with them, it feels so nice and so smooth and so flowy. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't want just one. I want them all. Definitely. And you get different flavors of dancers at a social, you know, and that's not also to say like a dancer can't be versatile. Like if you put on a more traditional song in Kizomba and you kind of go into that mode or that realm, you know, and then something more modern, something you kind of switch up your style, you switch gears and you dance it in a different way. So to say you prefer one or the other doesn't necessarily mean that you're incapable of dancing the other. Um, can you talk a little bit about the deriv- derivatives of Zook? Because I really like how you guys are able to accept the different styles of Zook. So for our audience, can you just kind of give a quick snippet of the styles of legitimate styles of Zook out there at this moment? First of all, I need to specify that I'm specifically talking about Brazilian Yes, Zook. yes, definitely. I'm not, I'm not going into Caribbean Zook at all. Uh, and it's completely separate genre. They're not, the dances themselves are not even remotely related. I will try to put in a video in the show notes so people can see if they haven't heard about this of like a Caribbean uh, Zook video. And then I'll put in a video of Brazilian Zook so you can see the difference. It's, it's basically, it's about the equivalent of saying that Kizomba and Zook are the same dance because they sound yeah. different. It's more confusing because they're both called mm-hmm. Um but completely different origins, completely different dance, completely different everything. Um, within Brazilian Zouk, the original quote-unquote form of the dance is now referred to as Lamba Zouk, and it descended primarily from the Lambada when it died out in about the 80s. Um, after that, it kind of went through a little bit of a reformation period where it became what's now called Zouk traditionnel, which is also sometimes referred to as Rio Zouk. So depending on where you were in Brazil, you had one of these two styles. They have different timing. They have some different principles. So it's kind of like salsa on one versus salsa mm-hmm. on two. They, you can dance one or the other, but the timing makes it a little wonky if you're less comfortable with the music. Um, but the actual foundations of the dance itself are similar enough that you can manage, uh, but, but not close enough that you're necessarily going to be able to dance both automatically. Now, after Zouk Traditionnel became more established in Rio, uh, there was a lot of other ideas that came out of it. it as a whole, they're kind of referred to as stylized Zouk uh, by most professionals and they include like contemporary Zouk, which is Zouk mixed with mm-hmm. contemporary. Uh, Via Zouk, which is Zouk mixed with hip-hop. Neo Zouk, which has a lot more intricate upper body and head movement. And then you have Soul Zouk, which came out of that kind of realm and occupies its own space. So we have almost the reverse problem of every other dance, where we're really, really eager to call every departure its own style and we still recognize them all as Zouk. And I feel like that's really, really helpful for the scene um, because looking at the Zook scene and like comparing it to the Kizoma scene, like there's respect 
for the styles. And of course, they have to be legitimate. And we'll talk about how you determine whether your style is legitimate or not. But I, I like the cohesiveness of having the, I guess, the upper people in the totem pole, as you were saying before in the pre-chat, um, recognize and respect each other's styles and still also, I guess, respect the roots. And one of the lines in, in the blog that I really, really liked was at the end where you were saying just because the newer music resonates with you and stimulates that creativity and expression doesn't mean that you are ignorant about the technique or the history of the dance. Absolutely. Like there, to me, if you're serious about a dance and by serious, I mean, you are above the level of casual social dancer. Um, you need to start learning about the history and the culture. I give a pass to very low, like, low on the totem pole for lack of a better word um, basic level social dancers mm -hmm. because there's no reason for them to actually go after that it doesn't mean that it's not important it doesn't mean that it's not useful but there's no reason when I start for example say I start doing um, polo the sport mm -hmm. right say I start doing that there's no reason that on when I'm just playing in a little league at my local wherever, um, that I need to know all of the big names and all the big players and where they all came from and what the history of the sport is. I'm just playing a scrimmage match in a yard. So that's kind of where I feel like the basic dancers operate is in this gray area where really all they want to do is just chill and have a good time and mess around. But beyond that, if you're looking to become serious, if you're looking to become involved, if you're looking to teach or DJ or any of that, you owe it to the dance and to the community that you're inspiring to learn about the history and understand more than just the narrow aspect you're inhabiting. Definitely. I'll put an amen behind that. So, yeah, like having your preference, but you still have to understand the roots of the dance. Uh, having your preference of the more modern dance, but still doing your due diligence of the homework or the history of the dance to make sure you're able to at least communicate um, what it was before and how your preference is different from the roots. So you're not ignorant to it. You know, dance definitely evolves. It's something that has to continue to thrive and it can't stagnate. You know, it has to continue to adapt and bring on, I guess, the newer generations, if you will of the dance and this is across multiple dances um but one thing that i, I really really like i like the way that the zook has definitely seen this there seems to be a lot more cohesiveness um compared to other dancings that i've been exposed to i don't think we really had that much of a choice um i'm pretty sure somewhere in the past if i dug deeper i would probably have found some conflict i know there was something like way back in the early days between like lamba and traditional um, but that was a long time ago now. Uh, but quite frankly, we're already a smaller scene than most other social dances out mm -hmm. there. I mean, it could be like, I mean, the smallness kind of, I guess, maybe could be like a quality over quantity kind of thing, because I know Zook is definitely not like a entry level dance. It definitely takes some time to get into it. But I think like the culture of Zook is definitely very accepting overall in my opinion from from what i've been exposed to 
Yeah, I would, I would say that's very, very similar as well. I think part of it comes from a culture of people just, they don't want to fight. They would rather just let things go mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so it's just, they're not, it's not worth it to be like, oh my God, let's debate this again on Facebook for 30,000 pages. <laughs> sometimes like we get a uh mostly about music. Uh, not about the dance, but about the music and whether we should be playing more English remixes or if we should be playing more traditional Zoom music. So it's not really as much about the dancing per mm-hmm. se, um, being legitimate or illegitimate. It's why aren't we still dancing more of this music or why don't we play more of mm-hmm. this music or why are we not playing any old stuff? Uh, that's about as messy as I've seen it get outside of like... Um, a smaller local instructor who really doesn't know what they're doing and kind of gets told you don't know what you're doing. So yeah, stop. for sure. That was a little bit roundabout, but no, de- definitely, <laughs> definitely. Let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsors. Have you been looking to level up your Kizomba, but you don't have the local instructors to take you there? Are you looking for something concrete to practice with your Kizomba partner? Or are you looking for Kizomba lessons that you can take on your schedule and the comfort of your home? If you answered yes to any of these questions, look no further. LearnToKids.com is what you need. Progressive, step-by-step lessons that you can take at your pace in the comfort of your home or anywhere with a solid internet connection on your PC, Mac, or any smartphone. New videos are added every month. You can try this awesome resource out 30 days free at LearnToKids.com slash podcast. After the 30 days free, it's only a low $15 per month. But again, the special offer for the Dance Your Heart on Fire listeners, 30 days free at learntokids.com slash podcast. You won't find this offer anywhere else. Learntokids.com slash podcast. And now back to our show. And so on that note, I'd like to talk about uh, in the next section, I'm going to talk about the difference between a new style and something that's completely uh, illegitimate. Can you go ahead, I guess, start off with your thoughts there and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, sure. Um, To me, very strong difference between the two. So if you're taking something and you're tweaking it or you're adding a new aspect or you're changing the music, maybe doing a little bit of a different flow, it's not really a different dance. It's not illegitimate. It's just a new style. Like the word style, like, indicates is just styling essentially so mm-hmm. for example in we have r&b zoop which can be very staccato and very full of isolations and kind of hip-hoppy movements it doesn't really look like traditional at all but it's still founded on very similar principles mm-hmm. now illegitimacy to me is when someone takes something and mimics it without understanding or appreciating what the fundamentals are behind the dance. Mm-hmm. So, Zouk, I would say um, if you have upper body movement, which is a very important part of our dance and a very specific technique, um, you can tweak it. So, for example, in Neo Zouk, you might change the frame to cause the head to move by moving a wrist instead of a shoulder or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, that's a style because you're still dealing with the same principles as every other actual dancer in the scene. For sure. But if you completely change what head movement is, where it comes from, how it's structured in the body, 
it's no longer Zook head movement. It's something else. And we had a very interesting case with that with a style called M-Zook, um, which is Mallorca Zook. It's from Spain. Mm-hmm. And unlike the rest of the styles of Zook, they lead most of their movements from the wrists and hands. And it's more about hand placement than frame. Mm. And that style is probably the furthest that Zook has ever gone in a new direction, and it has limited cross-compatibility. It still recognizes a style, and no one tries to pass it off as being part of the same family, so to speak, as, say, Rio-style Zook. Mm-hmm. Um, but even with that, even with a different technique used and a different way of applying the movement, they still have recognizable elements of Zook in it. They still have like lateral and basic and those kind of moves. They still have head movement that is coming from the same place that it comes in Rio style, even if it's not gotten there in the same way. So it's, it's possible to really straddle that border and your professional group and their acceptance of the idea it sometimes becomes a style or it gets dubbed illegitimate so that's uh that's kind of the line you play with there yeah definitely um from my perspective on the kizomba end of that i know urban urban kids is definitely becoming more accepted across a lot of these guys but a lot of the kizomberos now but before originally like two years ago it was definitely a lot of a feuding like is this even legitimate and how far they've gotten away from the base and things like that but the thing is it's like okay uh, i guess to put things in a simple term you kind of have semba then you have kizomba then you have urban kids that's like and the music was really like a big driver of a lot of it, you know, because the more modern music that came out with fresh, a lot of the big Kizomba artists, uh, Mika Mendes, Cuatro Pedro, they started putting out a lot more urban sounding music, you know, so it kind of changed the way that you dance to a, a more traditional song. But then as the dancers started to develop to this music, you know, then the dancing started to change. And so, it made it really tough to argue that it's illegitimate when, okay, these urban kids dancers are also super, super strong Semba dancers, you know, like in Paris, for example, you know, um, yes, you have some people that do urban kids that don't have the same, uh, knowledge or skill set for in Semba, you know, but today, like if you go to Paris, you still have a very high level of Semba. You have a very high level of urban kids. And it's, sometimes it's the overlap between the two. So that just screams cross compatibility because like the people understand the fundamental pillars of a lot of these moves and tricks and things like that and see the similarities between both of them. But I guess it really depends on the, I guess, open mindedness, if you will. No, there's, there's, yeah, it's, it's a very unique thing. And especially like when you go back to the quote unquote traditional style, you keep in mind that none of those are really original either no they're not they're original in terms of collective memory goes back that far <laughs> that's perfect um, collective memory but, but there's something that happened before that we just don't know what it was and yeah. like i have a friend who's actually i should i shouldn't say friend because technically we've never actually met we were only introduced online mm-hmm. um who's dance historian and when i say dance i don't mean oh he researches one dance i mean 
this is what he does. He is a dance historian, and he spent seven years researching Foxtrot. So it's not like he did some YouTube searches and put yeah. together some stuff. He can tell you things about every dance, including Kizomba, including Zook, that you would never have dreamed of um, knowing about these dances just because he's looked so far into the background and mm-hmm. gone really, really far back into primary source documents and cultural records and everything about the time before. Mm-hmm. So virtually anything you think of as traditional isn't all that traditional. No, like the word traditional, I mean, we use for lack of a better term, but like a lot of these dances only like 20 years old, 30 years old. And we're not talking about like the waltz that goes back to the times of the 13, 1400s in the Renaissance era, you know, like it's a different time spectrum when you look at the whole scope of what dance is, like the world history of dance. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely like to have him on the show one of these days as you guys continue to kind of develop your relationship. Um, but it would be awesome to have him here on the show. And I guess to add my two cents to that, I've also been kind of doing my own research on like the history of partner dancing. But per my research, and granted, a lot of this is just like YouTube and online and just talking to people and things like that it seems like partner dancing became a thing at like the hot spots where there were like for the, the slave trade, like the African diaspora. Um, because if you take a look at a lot of the roots of these partner dances, it's really African and European fusion, you know, in Argentina for tango and Dominican Republic for bachata and Cuba and other places for salsa in Angola. Like they, there's this thing in, in the Kizoma called polyps, Portuguese speaking African countries that all have some kind of uh, link to Kizomba. But like these are Portuguese colonies. So it's, again, European African fusion, if you will, you know, that are like bringing forth these partner dances and even taking a look at uh, West Coast Swing and taking a look at Lindy Hop. Uh, Lindy Hop, they kind of came to be, I, I, I found out like there was this dance called the Cakewalk. And the Cakewalk was the slaves of the time mimicking the high society dancers uh, of the white people that were there. They were mimicking them and making fun of them. And the, I guess the slave owners, I guess, if you will, found it so funny, they actually put on competitions and the winner of the competition from the slaves got a cake. That was the winners, hence the term the cakewalk. But if you watch the videos, I'll put a link um, of where I found some of this in on YouTube. But it sounds just like that jazzy kind of upbeat music that you find in the roots of Lindy Hop, which kind of gave forth to what we have today as far as uh, West Coast Swing. So it's still African slash European fusion from like a lot of different angles. But that's that's kind of like my hunch so far. Yeah, there, he's. if you ever talk to him, he's fascinating with that aspect of dance as well. He's looked very deeply into all of the old school swing dances and their predecessors as well. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be so. awesome to, to pick his brain. So um, for the next section here of the podcast, I definitely want to talk about um, the quote unquote traditional dances and the importance of understanding them. And you, you definitely dedicated a section to this in the blog um 
and I think this is where it's really important if you, like you were saying before, if you're going to be a DJ, if you're going to be an instructor, if you're going to be something more than the casual dancer, like you said before, it is important to understand the culture and, cont- and to continuously learn um, where the dance comes from because so, it just gives you a better perspective of what was and where we're moving through, even if you're like on the cutting edge of whatever that dance is now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's important to understand where you came from, but that doesn't mean that you have to turn off your headlights and not look where you're going. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, I was talking about like how so many different uh, styles of Kizomba are emerging now with splashes of different dances. And then I talked about how like there's Russian Kizomba songs and classical and hip hop and rock songs and all these kind of things that are getting remixed to Kizomba because it's it's crossing more and more borders. And it's getting influences by more and more cultures along the way, you know? Yeah, I think every dance picks up cultures as it goes. Um, Some of them are more obvious than others. Uh, I think in terms of dances picking up other things, I'd say Zug is actually one of the weirdly resilient ones. Mm -hmm. It tends to have own evolutions as opposed to drawing a lot from outside it does draw more from solo dances though mm-hmm. so there's a lot of contemporary or hip-hop and that kind of influence comes in a bit there's a little bit of west coast swing as well that's influenced it but i would say that far more influence has gone from zook to west coast than the other way around mm. And then also sometimes now tango leg movement makes its way into our dance. Um, But I think it also depends on what the nature of your dance is that determines how easy it is to add new influences. So for example, West Coast Swing is all about improvisation and all about play and it's a very open free form dance, um, which makes it perfect elements of everything so they have hustle they have tango they have zook they have every dance you can possibly imagine has impacted it in some way um whereas with zook i think one of the major limiting factors is that how we use our upper bodies is so vastly different from every other dance mm-hmm. that only techniques that are cross transferable are techniques that don't interrupt that mechanic which limits things significantly definitely definitely so um towards the end of your blog here we talk about like what needs to change and instead of like feuding between uh between the new camp and the the older camp um there's definitely respects that can be in place versus feuding you know um, because there's value from both ends, you know, and in the blog, you talked about like for the new newer dancers, people would prefer the modern. Like you definitely did a, a better insight of the dance as a whole, just understanding where it came from with from a historical kind of concept, you know, and it kind of shows you, OK, well, this is why we do this and why this is why we do these certain kind of moves. This is the history behind them. This is where it kind of came from. So that gives you a whole new perspective of, of a lot of different things you know and vice versa for the 
for the traditionalists, you know, like they have to realize that their dance was sometime also considered the new thing to do when it first came out, you know? So it's just history kind of repeating itself over and over again. And just in today's world, it's just like, we're so united more so than anything with the internet and social media. Like it's a lot easier to like share ideas and inspiration and creativity across borders and it really just gives way to like a, a a global kind of dancing versus like back 20 30 40 years ago you couldn't share that information across uh countries and cultures as easily absolutely and um i think there's also a really important differentiation that has to be made uh between not liking something and viewing it as illegitimate and also the tendency we have to throw all of the eggs in the same basket. Mm. So of not liking, but understanding, I can, you know, not like the origins of a dance, but that doesn't mean that I have to say that it's unimportant or unvaluable, like not valuable. For sure. So like, for example, and I'm using this as an example, I'm not saying this is the case, but like I can sit here as a dancer and be like, well, I don't like Kizomba. I think it's a stupid dance. And, like, they hold each other super close all the time. And, like, they're just walking around. Why mm-hmm. don't they just do tango? More <laughs> interesting. Like, I'm, like, I may personally dislike Kizomba and not like it. And I might prefer tango. But that doesn't mean that Kizomba as a whole is illegitimate. For sure. Like, I can separate and say, okay, well, this isn't my thing. But yeah, it's still a dance, and it still has its own technique and its own heritage and its own everything. Mm-hmm. So just because I don't like it doesn't make it any less so. So when you're talking about styles of a dance, you can dislike neo kizomba, or you can dislike traditional kizomba, or semba. But that doesn't mean that you can't appreciate what it is. For sure. Um, and the other thing is that you don't have to like every single way that every single person is interpreting the new or the old label. Mm-hmm. Right. So I can, I can watch someone do Neo and I can be like, I think that person objectively has no clue what they're doing and has no technique. That's a fair statement, but that doesn't mean that all Neo has no clue what they're doing and no technique. You can have teachers who are very good at teaching Neo and have very good technique. Traditional whatever, whether it's Kizomba or Zuko or whatever, you can they can be claiming, yeah, I dance traditional style and I teach traditional. And they can have really crappy technique. Mm-hmm. They may be doing but it might be really bad traditional. That doesn't mean that all traditional sucks. Yeah, it doesn't sure. mean that all Neo sucks. That, that person sucks. Yeah, and being able to know the source of the move or the person that you're viewing it and make sure like you're looking at like, okay, is this person an actual professional that's good? Or is it just like some kind of enthusiast? Or like, where are you? Like, the credibility kind of becomes a factor. Yeah, and even, even in terms of credibility, like I think Bachata has this issue more than almost anyone else. They have world-class artists where they're like well they have shitty technique and like at that point it becomes really difficult because then your your fight is actually within the the elite of the dance mm-hmm. and the people who are supposed to understand the best. 
And if you have people who are at the elite level who have somehow gotten there without a foundation, now you have a really big chasm to breach. And like I see it, for example, uh, the big one that probably comes to mind right away is Daniel and Desiree in that community. Mm -hmm. And a very, very, very distinct product that they're selling. Very distinct. And people either love the product or they hate the product. Yeah. And most of are on the side of what the heck are they doing that's stolen and also not done correctly and blah, 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 blah. So there's like, because of that, there there's so much conflict that arises just because that as soon as somebody has that credibility, if the credibility isn't supported by technique and foundation, everybody else buys. into that and that now they may actually have great technique and great whatever but if it's not recognized by their peers it suddenly becomes very hard to prove because every yahoo on the internet will have an opinion on it mm-hmm, definitely yeah and this kind of goes into our original message at the beginning of the podcast it's like is this very subjective to like personal taste and personal viewpoints and things like that so it's not really an an official conclusion that we can come to but um in that particular same token to close out the podcast here um we are one community um dance is definitely something that should unite us and not divide us and there has to be respect like it just because something is in your cup of tea doesn't mean that you have to bash it or it doesn't mean that you have to devalue it or anything like that um there should be some kind of unity and respect across the different styles to kind of help people and, and, and at the end of the day like we're dancing you know like we're getting people to get up off their butts not watching tv not being on social media or tied to a phone or a video game or something like that they're not depressed or feeling sorry for themselves or wallowing in self-pity they're getting up and active versus like not exercising anything like that they're socializing like there's a lot of benefits that go across for the dance you know as just like human to human interaction so that is something that we shouldn't lose sight of and despite that we should definitely be responsible for like the product and like the history and things like that but at the same time we shouldn't forget about the happiness aspect of just finding something that resonates with you and continuing to like invest time and money into that i think there's also one last psa that i want to add on there too mm-hmm. and this one specifically aimed at the Huzombo community today because it's something that i very recently saw and that is any time that you're critiquing something, keep it out of the personal and away from the person. Because what I've seen start to happen, especially with social media, is it's very, very easy to say things that are misstated or stated too strongly or in a mean or cruel way. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, like if you see a video that you don't like. It's okay to say, I don't like that, or I don't think the person has the greatest technique. And it's a very different thing to be like, they should never teach. They should be fired. And like, can we like gouge our eyes out now? And like, (laughs) it's a very severe way to treat someone who's in a very small community. And Mm -hmm. your community might be bigger than Zoom. 
but the chances that you will meet that person or you know someone who knows that person are very high. Mm -hmm. The chances that that person will see your comment is very high. And I can guarantee you that there's almost no one in the entire social dance world who is trying to do something bad when they are trying to promote their art or their dance. They may be motivated by very different things, but they're not trying to hurt. They're trying to spread joy and love and everything else. So if you are online and you are engaging in a heated discussion, keep it civil, keep it out of personal attacks, and make it whatever you put online, something that you would say to that person's face without a second thought if you were to encounter them tomorrow. No, that's definitely, I think, one thing that, unfortunately, Kizomba has become known for is like the, the social media bashing for sure, you know? And it, for somebody who's new to the dance or somebody looking at, curious to see that and seeing that publicly on Facebook and social media outlets, it's, it's, it's almost a little bit embarrassing to say, you know, or embarrassing to see like, hey, this is such a beautiful dance about connection and really unifying two bodies and one soul. But then you see all of that uh, behavior on Facebook, you know, it's 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 been it's been interesting to say the least to see that kind of behavior. And it's, it's something that I definitely don't try to to condone in and try to keep it the any conversations in that regard, civil and things like that, you know, because we're, we're trying to grow it. We're not trying to, to tear people down, you know? Yeah. And being kind isn't necessarily saying nice things. It's saying what needs to be said in a kind way. So it doesn't mean that you have to pretend you like something or pretend something's good when it's not, but it means that if you are to offer the critique, you offer it in a way that lets people keep their dignity intact. Definitely. All right, Laura, it's been another awesome podcast. Um, as I do with all my guests in, at the end of each podcast, I just wanted to kind of open up the floor to you. I know you had that last PSA, but do you have anything else you want to say to our listeners? I think that we've pretty much gone through everything at this point. Okay, awesome. Well, Laura, thank you so much for your time. Um, I'll go ahead and let people let you give a blurb about how people can find you online and then we'll say goodbye. Uh, sure. Yeah. My, my blog is actually still called the dancing grapevine and, but it is being hosted on dance place, which is a fabulous tool that is still called. Yeah. It's still called the dancing grapevine. It's being hosted on danceplace.com, uh, which is a website that's kind of like a be all and end all of dance world. So, so there's tools for event organizers and event attendees. Uh, there's also like their three initials as well as rate them and let people know uh, what's going on with them. Um, and so now we're located at uh, danceplace.com slash grapevine. But it's still the same blog, still the same writer and still the same everything. Yeah, I've seen it's the new, new site. Better. Yeah, it definitely looks a lot closer, a lot more interactive uh, with the content that you guys are producing out there. And I'll definitely be sure to put a link on the show notes for this podcast to allow people to check that out. Well, thank you, Charles. All right, Laura, thank you so much for your time. Uh, hopefully we'll see you on another episode. And until then, keep dancing, spread love and joy, and we'll see you in the next podcast. Thanks, Charles. Have a good night.
Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey. <laughs>